If you are finally ready to take a long, hard look at yourself and analyze some of your mindless habits, this is the episode for you. Welcome to the Brain BS Podcast, the podcast where thought work, emotional intelligence, and universal law come together to empower women to master their brain BS so they can get what they really want out of life. I am your host, Maureen Kapkis, a doctor of occupational therapy, a certified life coach, and an expert on brain BS. My mission is to inspire you to look within, push past your fears, and understand that you alone are responsible for everything you create in your life. So sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and let's get started on a journey of self-discovery that's going to lead you to where and who you truly want to be. Hello, and welcome back to the Brain BS Podcast. It is January 11th that I'm recording this podcast. It's a beautiful sunny day, even though it is quite frigid. I am dealing with a little bit of brain BS, but it's not a bad kind. It's not a good kind. It's kind of neutral, and I'm learning how to distance myself from it because I am doing the alcohol experiment. So that is um, Annie Grace. And her partner, Scott, I can't remember his last name, developed this 30-day challenge for not drinking and changing the way that you look at alcohol. Well, I have been toying with this idea for quite some time, thinking that I wanted to do something um, different and that I no longer want to drink every weekend like I have been or um, kind of excessively when I go on vacation compared to my usual routine. So this, this experiment is all not necessarily about quitting alcohol altogether. It could be. That could end up being what I want to do. But it's really about um, creating a new relationship with alcohol. Now, if, you're, if you don't think that you should be listening to this because you have no issues with alcohol, think again. Because this applies to any habit that you have that isn't really serving you, that you're kind of starting to question and you're kind of trying to figure out, why do I keep doing this when part of me thinks I don't want to do it? What is the driving force that keeps that happening? And that's what this experiment's all about. Then I also ended up joining another program called Take a Break because I wanted a different perspective of how they look at it. And that's really interesting too because they, well, the alcohol experiment kind of, I don't want to say it demonizes alcohol, but it sort of does. Like it, it, it makes you aware of all the things and all the problems that it causes physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, this idea that we think it relaxes us and, and is fun. So it challenges all of those. But in the other, the membership program, Take a Break, they're all about let it be there. Don't make it a problem. Explore your relationship. Learn from it. Don't make it an all or nothing thing. And um, then you see what you want to do after 30 days. And it even has like a module um, to help you reintroduce alcohol into your life if you still want it to be there. So I find this really fascinating because I've tried to, you know, get rid of alcohol in my life at various points just because I thought there was something inside me that thought there was more and that I wasn't living up to my potential relying on it all the time. And then earlier on, it was just because I drank too damn much and I was worried like I had a problem or something. But it hasn't been like that for a long time. So there was never going to be like, you know, uh, there's not going to be any like mortifying night 
or me being completely embarrassed or blacking out or doing something terrible that's going to make me want to stop drinking. It's just not going to happen. Those days are over for me. So in a way, that kind of makes it even a little bit more challenging. I was talking to my friend about that today. And it makes it a little bit more challenging because it truly is for my personal growth. But it's, it's like a calling for me. So not necessarily that I stop, but that I learn the process of changing how to participate in a habit that I've been participating in for decades, figuring out the best way to do that, feeling empowered as I do it, and not like I'm depriving myself, and actually enjoying life with the reduced amount of it or with none of it. So this could apply if you are a shopaholic, a gambler, um, a pothead, uh, someone who can't stop criticizing people and judging them. Whatever it is that your habit is, this applies to all of it. And, And my favorite thing I think that I've learned so far is this idea of all or nothing being a measure of whether we're successful or not. It's total bullshit. It is total bullshit. Like when you hear people at AA say that they kind of like had to start all over because they they stopped drinking for 45 days and they just had to drink. I say bullshit to that. I say you get credit for those 45 days and then you keep continuing to count those days and then you say with the exception of that one day. Um, now, before anybody gets their feathers all ruffled, I understand AA is a whole different animal and they have their own different philosophy. But what I want to, I'm just going to throw this out there and I'll probably piss some people off. It's a philosophy, okay? It, just because they have that philosophy and they really believe it doesn't mean it's factual. We all get to decide what we think and we all get to choose our beliefs. So there isn't one set universal truth because every truth is arrived to by the brain filters of a human brain. So... Anyway, the alcohol experiment's really interesting. I talk about it every day in the Brain BS group, which is my private Facebook group. And I try to generate conversations and get people talking about this subject because of all the habits, alcohol is romanticized. It's made to seem like it's cool, it's fun, and there's absolutely no downside to it. And the more I'm learning and the more I'm reading about it, I just can't honestly say I agree with that anymore. So we'll see how it progresses. I'll keep you um, up to speed. Um, As a result of doing the alcohol experiment and really toying with this idea of making a change for quite some time, well, I've made a lot of changes, but like this is the biggest, most drastic change I've made since I decided to quit drinking during the week. And that's like nothing. That's peanuts compared to what I'm doing now. And excuse me, it inspired me to do this podcast episode, which is number 52. And it's called Initiating Sustainable Changes. Now I want you to really take note of that. Initiating Sustainable Changes. It's not how to keep sustainable changes or to make it happen or the whole process. This is just to get things started because this is what I know to be true. And this is what worked for me. So I... This is about taking a long, hard look at yourself and analyzing some of the things that you're doing without even thinking about it. And the way I'm looking at this and the way I'm going to present it, it's changed now because I read Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, 
which I love, and it's all about emotions and increasing our emotional literacy and helping us to understand that better. And I want to bring that into the forefront because up until this point, I've been, I do talk about feelings, but I've been focusing more on thoughts and managing our minds because that's what I've been relying on um, for the most part myself. I've been processing feelings and doing things like that. But the truth is, if I'm drinking alcohol every weekend, I'm not really processing my feelings if I'm totally honest with myself. But this year, 2022 for me is all about learning how to regulate my emotions. So that's why I'm doing the alcohol experiment. And that's why my blog post and podcast episodes might look a little bit different. So while there's a ton of emotions needed to make changes that you have been avoiding for a long time, I'm going to focus on the three I think that are most important just to get the process started. And that is courage, being committed, and being curious. Okay, let's talk about courage first. And this way, this is the courage to get real. Before we can make any changes, we must increase our awareness around our current behaviors. This means being brutally honest with ourselves about whatever it is we want to change and taking a long, hard look within ourselves. We must first identify the brain filters that have been given to us by our parents, siblings, and the rest of society. The only way to do that is with a therapist or a coach because we cannot see our own filters without help from somebody else. Brain filters are hidden in our subconscious and generally skew the way we perceive the world and respond to pretty much any situation. Okay, let me review with you my primary filters that have gotten me in trouble over the years, and I've talked about these before. The first one that comes to mind is that I've done something wrong. An example of this would be when somebody does not answer my text message and I start to wonder if I did something to offend them without knowing it. This could happen if I haven't even seen this human being for months and there's no history of a problem with them. My brain filter dictates that when the situation occurs or a person doesn't behave the way I want them to, it's going to get triggered and I'll believe it's because I must have done something wrong. Another filter, <coughs> excuse me again, my throat's kind of itchy, it's so dry. Another filter that is similar but not the same is that I have been wronged. Oh boy, this one puts me in victim mode in a second and it is powerless place to be. I should know I have spent a great deal of time being there and I didn't even realize it was because this filter was in place. When this one comes up, I'll stay in victimhood, but I'll also latch on to feelings of self-righteousness and resentment. Oh yeah, two of my favorite emotions, not actually two of my least favorite. In this case, I'm likely to think they should have gotten back to me or I would never do that to somebody else. Or maybe it's just I am so much more thoughtful and considerate than they are. The third one I want to share, and you've heard me talk about this one before, is nobody cares what number nine has to say. And I refer to number nine because I'm number nine out of 10 siblings. I'm the youngest girl with one brother younger than me. Um, talk about this out of disempowering. This one puts me in victimhood too and places responsibility for my mental and emotional state on the way other people perceive or respond to me. When this filter is activated and I'm feeling ignored or unheard, I will just look at the lack of response as nothing out of the ordinary. And this might be the worst one because I'll be like, of course they didn't get back to me. Nobody cares what I have to say. So it just confirms what I'm already thinking. Okay, so I think I've illustrated my point why it's so important to understand our brain filters and how they skew our perception of the world. 
Those filters influence how we perceive the behavior we are trying to change, so we must be aware of them in order to modify or eliminate that said behavior. Once we have those figured out and identified, it opens up our minds in an expansive way so we can see the whole picture, both the good and bad. For example, alcohol is fun would be on one side of the coin, where alcohol is deadly could be on the other side of it. We must really look within to confront our shadows, those traits we try to hide and bring them out of the dark and into the light of day, similar to seeing both sides of that same coin. We also need courage to feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable feelings and care more about what we think than what other people believe about us. People do not like it when we change, especially those who are close to us, to us so we can be sure there will be some form of resistance somewhere. So the second emotion is committed. And this would be committed to cultivating change. When it comes to committing to the new behavior or change we want to make, the first thing to do is eliminate or reduce the cognitive dissonance that is sure to be present in our minds. In order to do that, we must change the way we are thinking about the current behavior if we are not 100% sold on changing it. Otherwise, our conscious mind will want to change, but our stronger subconscious mind will prefer to stay the same and that one will always win the battle. This is cognitive dissonance when we're, when we're torn and conflicted about something and we want two different things. A good example of this is when we want to stop drinking or reduce our alcohol intake, but we do not follow through with doing that. We think frequently that we're going to do it this weekend, but then put it off for another week. I am totally guilty of this myself. The reason why, that we do that is because there's a part of us who wants to keep drinking. We might have conscious thoughts like, I want to be healthier and I need to stop drinking. But we also might have subconscious thoughts that are driving us to repeat the same behaviors. It could be, I love drinking. Red wine is so delicious. Or maybe it is life is just not as much fun without alcohol. If we do not uncover those thoughts, they will prevent us from changing our behavior because it will feel like we are depriving ourselves and or missing out somehow. Willpower can only take us so far when cognitive dissonance is at play. If we want to change our lives with any habits, we have to be willing to change ourselves first, and that means change the way we're thinking. In addition to changing the way we are thinking, we must also be willing to feel urges to continue with that repetitive behavior, whatever it might be, and not respond to them. Notice I did not say resist because when we resist something, the urge just gets stronger and stronger. We must notice the urges, distance ourselves from them, pay attention to how they feel in our body, and not react to them. Just let them be there, don't make them a problem, and understand that they will dissipate in a few minutes. Now this might require you to get additional support or guidance when trying to make a big change if the urges are really strong. This goes for any habit or behavior we want to change. In my case, I bought the book, The Alcohol Experiment, and I joined a membership community called Take a Break to support my efforts at changing my relationship with alcohol. Some might need more one-to-one -one support that is offered by therapists and coaches. It is up to the individual to set up their environment for success, whatever that might look like, and it's not going to look like a, somebody else's environment. It will be different for everybody. In my case, we still have a full wine curler and my husband is not refraining from drinking. 
well, this works for me. It might not work for somebody who is not as committed and maybe more addicted to alcohol. Some people will have to get all the alcohol out of the house and try to avoid certain people and going places where they might be triggered to drink. My point is, it is up to you to set yourself up for success and get your environment the way you need it to be. The last emotion I want to talk about is curiosity. And this is curiosity over being judgmental, which is usually what we do. We must tap into curiosity and refrain from judgment of ourselves, others, or life without a particular habit. I'm going to refer to alcohol here as an example because that's the behavior I'm changing. This is going to require a little bit of mindset work because we are used to labeling everything and typically put alcohol in a category of being bad and people who drink it as weak. Let's take a look first at how we usually judge ourselves when it comes to alcohol. Many of us determine there is something majorly wrong with us and that we should not want to drink as much as we do. We think we have some sort of faulty gene and that causes us to feel shame and inadequacy. What if instead of feeding into that line of thinking as if it was factual, we opted instead to get curious? What if instead of judging ourselves, we started to notice what makes us want to have a drink? What thoughts are going on in our head that trigger an emotion that get us to actually pick up that glass? What behavioral patterns and situations seem to go hand in hand with wanting another one or with those times where we really overindulge? Letting go of the judgments permit us to get curious about why we are doing what we are doing and all of the hidden beliefs behind this. This is how we create sustainable changes. We sort of become detectives. In terms of judging others, we only do that if we are one to judge ourselves. We treat other people the way we treat ourselves. If we can refrain from vilifying or putting ourselves or other people in categories that are good or bad, it gives us permission to be more open and flexible with our thinking. This helps us to get out of that all or nothing mentality that often is the culprit for not being able to sustain behavioral changes. As soon as we have a mishap or give in to having a drink or any other habit, we just give up on the entire process and no longer believe it is possible. What if we accepted the path to life without alcohol or any habit is going to have twists and turns and we will all get there via the route meant for us? In my case, 30 days of not drinking is not negated by one day of having a drink. We need to be aware of all or nothing thinking and how it can sabotage our efforts. As for judging life without alcohol, how can we really know what it's like until we actually live life without it? I mean, anything else is brain BS, right? Well, if you're me, it is. I'm not totally sold that completely eliminating it is what I want. When I think about life without any alcohol at all, I experience doubt that it could be as much fun as life with alcohol. What if that's not true, though? Many people who have given up alcohol will tell you that it is, in fact, not true, or it is true, and that their lives are better without it. Depending on where you are in the process of developing a new relationship with alcohol, it is probably just best to refrain from judgment, trust the process, and stop anticipating the future. Staying present and receiving the gifts of the present moment is the best approach to this process and life in general. Another point I want to make in terms of judgment is we must accept where we are in this process and meet ourselves there. We cannot compare our path in life to somebody else's and think we should be further along than we are. We cannot try to make changes that our subconscious is not prepared to support or they will not be sustainable. Getting curious about why we are where we are 
and why we have the relationship with our habit that we have right now is how we develop a new one. We must be honest and truthful about all of it if we want to evolve to the next best version of ourselves. My last point I want to make is that the best way to achieve what we want in life is if we tap into self-love and surround ourselves with whatever it takes to build us up and empower us. Criticizing ourselves and making judgments about where we are coming up short is going to do the complete opposite. As I have mentioned many times before, thoughts trigger feelings, those inspire actions, and that is how we get our results. Negative emotions tend to shut us down and keep us stuck, while love and positivity inspire us to take the actions necessary to facilitate emotional maturity and profound personal growth. So to recap what I've said here today, long story short, if you want to initiate, remember this is about initiating sustainable changes, I believe you have to rely on three emotions to get started, courage, committed, and curiosity. We need courage to look within, to identify our brain filters and shadows that are holding us back. Committed is the emotion we need to ensure we are set up for success and stay focused on the behavioral change we want to make. Relying on curiosity instead of being judgmental is how we must look at our brains and the whole process when we're trying to create new habits. We will never be successful when we focus on what is lacking and how we are coming up short. We must tap into our self-love if we want to be successful at changing our habits. Whatever it is we are trying to do that is new and unfamiliar, being courageous, committed, and curious is a great way to get the process started. Doesn't matter if the habit is being a critic, a drinker, or a major shopper, the process is the same. And once you learn how to apply it to one area of your life, you'll be able to apply it to all of them. So if you think you've heard enough here today and you're ready to get started with the process now, go to www.thebrainbs.com and sign up for a free consult with me. And we can get started on this and we can see, well, first we'll see if we're a good fit, but I'm sure we'll, we'll be a good fit if you're interested and you're inspired. And yes, it most definitely will require courage, commitment, and curiosity to change a habit that feels impossible to break, but you will be surprised how good it feels to just initiate it to just begin to start hope you learned something valuable here today see you next week if you like what you heard here today i would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the brain bs podcast do a quick review give me five stars and share it with everyone you know if you want to dig a little deeper you can join me in my private facebook group the brain bs group where i provide you with daily guidance and inspiration on how to manage your brain If you've heard enough and you're ready to go all in with Mastering Your Brain BS, you can sign up for a free consult at www.thebrainbs.com to see what it would be like to work with me and get all the details. Finally, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. The only thing standing between you and what you want is your brain BS.